This is Horsepower Happenings. Every once in a while, you get to the racetrack, and that pesky little bug crawls up and bites you, and you go, man, I ought to dust off my driver's seat. No, I'll I'll never go back. uh, I'll never go back to full-time racing. I'm too old. I mean, there's there's some guys older than me still doing it. God bless them. Distinguished news, industry insight, and exclusive interviews. We wrapped it up at the end of last year. I will tell you this. We are going to run. You're the first person that's actually been told this officially. With Zach Heiser. Here comes Jared Horstman to the inside. He's got Max Stambaugh picked off. He's around Chase Ryan now. Jared Horstman up to third down the back straightaway. And Rich France. The number 11 Hilliker machine does have a flat right front tire, uh, some body damage. He may be able to come down into the hot pit and uh, replace his tire and get back out. Michigan Short Track Racing Authority. This is Travis Stemler. Joe Westbrook, driver of the Hills Racing 47 Knot. This is Barry Marlowe. This is 14-time ARCA champion Ron Allen. This is three-time dirt car UMP national champion Rusty Schlink. And this is Horsepower Happenings. Good evening, race fans. Welcome into Horsepower Happenings on a warm Monday, a warm week, and man, oh man, we're headed right toward Labor Day weekend and the wrap-up of race season, but we still got plenty of weeks and plenty of stuff to talk about, so let's get into it. But first, here's what's happening in a Motor City Minute. Ryan Blaney held off William Byron and Kyle Larson to pick up the win Sunday during the Firekeepers Casino 400 at Michigan International Speedway. Other weekend winners at MIS included Ty Gibbs in the ARCA Series and A.J. Allmendinger in Xfinity. Phil Bozell added another trophy to his case, the Growler 100 at Whittemore, which happened on Saturday. He also locked up the Big 8 Northside Towing.net Outlaw Super Late Model Championship Friday at Corrigan Oil Speedway. Here's a surprise. Kyle Larson won again, this time in a late model. The win was his fifth World of Outlaws win of his career. This one came Saturday night at Sharon Speedway during the battle at the border. Hudson O'Neill edged Jonathan Davenport to win the 29th annual Comp Cam's Topless 100 Saturday night at Batesfield Motor Speedway. It was his fourth Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series win of 2021. Those things and so much more happening tonight on Horsepower Happenings. Good evening, welcome in. I'm Zach Heiser. Rich France joins me from across the way. How's it going? Great, I had a great weekend, Zach. I got dirty and I had a little bit of pavement. So uh, how could I have a, a a better weekend than that. Yeah, what a busy week in racing with uh, all things happening over the last week or so. Uh, man, it's been a busy, busy week, and we got a lot to talk about, including some really rock-solid interviews tonight. But first, Rich, uh, what was on your radar over the weekend? Yeah, so we're gonna st- I, we'll get to what I started out at later. Uh, there's a little more involved in that, but uh, I was at Flat Rock Speedway on Saturday night, and uh, hey, we had a Chris Foby sighting on, uh, at Flat Rock Speedway. He all right. Up. Yeah, I couldn't believe it. Um, so got to talk with Chris for a while. And uh, it was championship night, and four champions were crowned on Saturday night at Flat Rock. Eric Lee, who had four Outlaw Super Late Model champions to his credit coming into the event, uh, the last one in 2011, wrapped up number five. So congrats to Eric Lee. Uh, he kind of pulled the, I'm going to run around here in the back of the pack and run sixth or seventh. And yeah. You know, and, and just kind of eat this thing up. He kind of had it locked up. It had to be something outstanding, really unusual for him to lose it. So congrats to Eric. Uh, and what a competitive 2021 season for the Outlaws at Flat Rock. In other divisions, Greg Stute picks up, picks up his third street stock championship and his seventh overall at Flat Rock. And if, you're any, if anybody's wondering, hey, do I know that name? He's the only driver in the history of Flat Rock to win a championship. An Outlaw late model, street stock and figure eight in his career. Pretty tough to do. 
And uh, a rookie, Bobby Stewart, picked up the Street Stock B-Main Championship. So he'll have Rookie of the Year honors and a championship all in his first season. And uh, Dennis Wisman Jr. picked up the ARCA Figure 8 Championship. Uh, and last but not least, Zach, have to give a huge shout-out uh, to Connor Zabosian. Uh, he was co-rookie of the year in 2019 with Hayden Sprague. They were both rookies, and they couldn't decide which one would get it. So Hayden Sprague won the feature on season championship night in 2019. Well, Connor Zabosian won the feature on season championship night in 2021. A little bit so, poetic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and he, everybody, he goes, everybody was teasing him about it. You know, Hayden Sprague won last time, and, you know, of course, we didn't run in 2020. So um, it really neat how that worked out. Congratulations to Connor and his team. Hey, let's go all the way back to where it started, keeping with the pavement theme. Wednesday night in Kalamazoo, the Kalamazoo Clash happened uh, over on the west side of the state. And, uh, man, what a night it was. The evening kicks off with Brian Bergaker taking fast qualifier honors. Then Tyler Rorig, who clocked in seventh in qualifying, was on the outside of the second row for the main event. There was a 10-car inversion. Kyle Crump, Adam Terry led the field to the green. But lap one, melee problems getting into turn number three. Bergaker, J.R. Rorig, Doug True, and others. Then on the restart, Rorig picked up right where he left off. He was the race leader and controlled much of the event. It wasn't until after lap 84 when a caution flew that the four-time Clash champion would be put to the test. Defending champion Steve Needles faded. Bozell gave Rorig all he could handle in the remaining circuits but came up just a car length short of his fifth Clash victory. And, uh, Rich, a lot of folks gave Bozell some credit for running Rorig clean. Heard a lot of reports that Bozell could have gave him the nudge and took home the win, but he chose not to. Kept it clean. Uh, Bozell, by the way, who has competed in all 29 Clash events, was a winner in 93, 94, 97, and 07. So uh, he was a, a, a little... <laughs> I'm surprised he raced as well as he did because he's been on a dry streak. Phil Bozell, Needles, and former track champion Mark Shook rounded out the top five of a very exciting event. And, Rich, uh, you, you've you been following this. With the win, Tyler accomplishes something that no one in our region and no one ever, I don't think, has done. Yeah, so over the years, uh, you had, you've had drivers win the Summer Sizzler at New Paris, and you've had drivers win the Kalamazoo Clash but you've never had anybody win them in the same season. And even though Tyler Roerig has six summer sizzler wins, um, he had never, he was never able to win the Kalamazoo clash in the same year. He won the summer sizzler until this year. That's a pretty cool deal. Yeah. Good. Nice, nice work by him. Now, Kyle Crump was in that race, Rich, and uh, he was sporty. He said he had some trouble getting around lap traffic. Couldn't get that car to stick on the outside. Uh, that's what he told me on Saturday before he took a template late model to the wood and put it to work at Berlin Raceway. Yeah, I'm betting he was a little happier Saturday night than he was on Friday night. I'm just guessing. But uh, Kyle, Rump, Kyle Crump made it two signature template super late model event victories in a row Saturday night by winning the battle at Berlin 150 at Berlin Raceway. Uh, after winning the Red Bud 400 at Anderson Speedway on July 12th, the $10,000 to win event was a combined points event for the Arca CRA Super Series, the JEG CRA All-Stars Tour, and the Berlin Raceway Super Late Models. Uh, Crump led a dominating 123 laps of the 150 lap event. If that's not domination, Zach, I don't know what is. Um, but had to had to kind of battle with Brian Campbell early and then late in the event uh, with Evan Shotgo, 
who led 23 laps uh, after passing Crump on the outside on a lap 93 restart. But the 22 machine of Shotko would coast to a halt under a yellow uh, following a caution on lap 116 and would not restart, handing the lead back to Crump for the final time. With the, rim, with the win, Zach Crump is guaranteed to be one of the four drivers to race for the Arca Serie Super Series Chase for the championship final event uh, at the 50th Annual Lucas Oil Winchester 400 on October 17th, uh, as long as he competes in the two chase events leading up to the championship. So I assume he's going to do that. We'll talk to him a little bit and find and just confirm that. Uh, this will be Crump and his car owner, Stan and Judy Rosen's first opportunity to race for the championship with the series. Uh, Campbell would finish in second uh, by a few feet over a hard-charging Andrew Scheid. Uh, Campbell was the highest finishing Jake Sierra All-Stars Tour car to, to give him that series victory over Scheid. It was Campbell's first CRA victory of the season and his 11th all-time in the Jake CRA All-Stars Tour, uh, increasing his lead in the series all-time wins to three over Travis Braden and Daniel Hemrick. Uh, Zach, the next event for the Jake CRA All-Stars Tour will be uh, at Winchester Speedway on Saturday, September 4th, uh, the second chase for the championship event for that series. And the next ARCA CRA Super Series event will be the $10,000 to win King of the High Banks, 150 on Sunday, September 5th uh, at Winchester as well. The second chase for the championship event for that series as well. Well, uh, as you went through there, uh, I should have mentioned and I, I should have edited that uh, I had a chance to catch up with a pair of guys who really had great runs. And uh, I'd like to start with the guy who finished third, uh, Andrew Scheid, best career finish ever in pavement racing, whether it be Jags, whether it be Berlin, this guy was on a roll, almost picked up the Jags portion of the event. He was the fastest Jags car there during qualifying, and uh, I caught up with a very exhausted Andrew Scheid at the end of 150 laps. Man, oh man, third place, battling for second at the line. Andrew, you look absolutely whooped after the battle at Berlin 150, but man, I know underneath all that exhaustion, you gotta be ecstatic with this career best finish here tonight. You know, I'm loving it. This is a great feeling. And I'm just so glad that I could race with a guy like Brian Campbell. You know, he gave me plenty room. And I'm glad that he trusted me as a rookie. You know, he ran me hard, but he ran me clean. I ran him hard and I ran him clean. And you know, that's one guy where it just feels absolutely incredible to battle. He's one of the best and he always will be, you know. And uh, man, just hats off to him for racing me clean. I really appreciate that. And. Uh, you know, I can't thank my crew enough. They gave me everything. Uh, Mike Blackmere, my car owner, you know, he's just, he's given me everything he's got. He believes in me, and I just, I'm truly blessed to have a man like that in my life because I, you know, I wouldn't be here without him. I wouldn't be here without my crew. I wouldn't be here without my sponsors. So, you know, hats off to them, 100%, all them, you know. Um, I just can't thank my sponsors enough. My new one, uh, Manzana, we picked them up this week. It's a pleasure to work with them. I'm glad to represent them. And, uh, you know, the sponsors that we've had, Cedar Valley, The Pines, Dockside Inn, John Kulhavi, Michael Blackmere. You know, I love you all. You truly give me everything, and I appreciate that. I want to ask you one thing here. You were up front from the start of the green. You were up front at the end, consistently up front here tonight. And for those who don't know, you were in the chase. You are in the chase for Jags as a rookie. Brian not able to race uh, here tonight. The other guy that you're in contention with 
for that rookie of the year status, man, this is this has got to be really a big encouragement for you now headed into the chase. You know, this feels like a win. We've had quite the tough season. Uh, this is our third finish of the season, and we were in a super race that was one of the finishes, but we have two finishes with the All-Star Series, so, you know, this feels like a win. Um, I'm glad to be up front in contention. I'm glad to be one of those guys that, you know, you show up to the track and they're like, all right, he's going to be fast. You know, that's just an amazing feeling. Um, and to do it my rookie season, it feels even better. Um, but, you know, I'm still low on experience and my hats are off to, and my hat's off to all these guys with a lot of experience like Brian Campbell. Uh, you know, he trusts me as a rookie and that, that means a lot. Andrew, man, congratulations here tonight. Nice job. We'll see you uh, at Winchester the next time. Thank you very much, Zach. Not to be forgotten is Brian Campbell. And let me tell you, the smile on that guy's face just running second. And then he found out he won the Jags Tour event. Here's what he had to say down on the front stretch. Well, hey, man, we're just down here on the front stretch after the Battle of Berlin 150. What a performance by you, man. No question about it. This 47 car has been quiet, but, man, you still got it. And actually, you are the crate race winner here tonight. So congratulations, man. How you feeling? Good. I just I just learned that, so that's kind of cool. Um, you know, highest, highest finish in Berlin guy, highest crate guy. You know, we, we're going to take that and uh, and build on the second place. And uh, like I said, first uh, one, two, three, um, Van Dorn Racing, and, and we'll uh, – you know, it's a new car for us. Those guys are all in helping us, and uh, that's what it takes, all in. Man, you were consistent all night, too. Long race, a lot of cautions, even a red flag in there. How was it for you to be able to stay that competitive? I mean, you were consistently up front here tonight. Yeah, it um, just just the team effort. I mean, the car was just solid. It could I could race um, when I wanted to race, and uh, you know, I, could, I could hang back and chill when I wanted to chill. That's that's the mark of a, of a good race car, you know, and, and um, middle part of that race, it was just kind of rolling around and clicking off laps and uh, uh, got back to fifth, I think. I don't know. I was, I was pretty confident I could get back up up to the front, just didn't know how far and, you know, obviously couldn't get to the lead, but uh, second's the next best thing. Brian, congratulations, man. Nice run. All right. Thank you. Appreciate it. And last but certainly not least, Rich, among all of the commotion, I didn't get a chance to talk with Kyle Crump. Thankfully, we have his phone number, so it's our pleasure to welcome him onto the program. Uh, Rich, I guess if we need to, you can let us know who we're talking to. Well, Zach, we last talked to this gentleman after his huge win in the Red Bud 400. Um, well, he did it again on Saturday night, taking the win in dominating fashion in the Battle of Berlin 150, leading over 120 laps. Zach, if he's going to keep coming on the show, we're going to have to put him on the payroll. Uh, <laughs> makes his home in Brighton, Michigan. Kyle Crump, welcome back to Horsepower Happenings. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Glad to be back on. Man, uh, tell me, two basically crown jewels in our area – this season um did you see this coming you know i i mean i didn't see it coming no but i knew we've always had speed in these races but you know we've never had this sort of dominant speed like i had on saturday so like in the back of my head i'm like man if we can put it all together we can get one of these and uh you know finally uh everything worked out and you know we ended up picking up the win you know on paper as rich said it it looks like a dominating performance and of course i'm not going to ask you about how excited you are i'm not going to ask you about how much the win means i'm going to ask you how thankful you are that evan shotko had a mechanical failure um do you think that you had what it took to run him down or or was he the difference maker there in that race yeah so when we started the race out the car was pretty much i think we had a class of the field there and then when we pit at like lap 70 for new tires uh, I'm always super nervous when we put new tires on the car, as I'm sure most other drivers are, because uh, 
sometimes it just you know, doesn't come back out as good as it was, or you can get lucky and it'll be a lot better. And, you know, in our situation, uh, I got really tight. The car was very snug after we put new tires on. And uh, we went back green, and my spotter were telling me, Evan was right on me, right on me. And, uh, you know, so those first 10, 15 laps, I'm, like, praying that when the tire pressures came up with the new sets, that uh, it, it come back to the, the old form that it was in. But uh, that wasn't the case. So, you know, I was dialing rear brake in it, trying to do everything I could to get it to roll the center a little better. And uh, it just wasn't working, and he was able to roll the top on me and get by. And uh, I think we clicked off a few more laps. He got out to, like, a two-second lead. And uh, it, it actually started coming back to me once I got that rear brake in it, and I, I figured out how to kind of use that rear brake to my advantage in the center to help rotate the car. And I actually started running down just a tick before we got that caution with the 27 car. Yeah. And uh, had, had a really good restart with Evan. And uh, right there is where I feel like uh, – I kind of realized I kind of had the car to beat again because I was able to get back by him and uh, I, on that restart. And he has a really good short-run car. That is uh, something I've noticed with Evan in the past at Berlin. That thing fires off with some crazy speed. So to be able to hang with him on that restart there, I really felt like it was going to be a really good race. But uh, I definitely think it was coming back to me. Yeah, and, and, and exactly. And not to be forgotten is the fact that you were, once he got in traffic, starting to click off some laps that were running running him down by, you know, a, a couple uh, hundredths of a second a lap, maybe even into tenths of a second by the time the caution flew. And I wondered if you were just waiting for that car to come back to you or if Evan had made a change that just made him significantly better. Now, that's not to say that once Evan dropped out, you had it free and clear, man. You look in your mirror, you got the 47, the 77, the 26 was up there at one point, Bubba Pollard, Andrew Scheid, Brian Campbell, all wanting a piece of what you had going on up front. Uh, but you'd kind of been through this already, as Rich said, with the Red Bud, with, with heavy hitters behind you. Uh, you never You never missed a beat the rest of the way. Yeah, I, uh, uh, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't nervous with Brian behind me. You know, he won a, a decent amount of races out there and a decent amount of races <laughs> in his time. So I knew uh, if he had something up his sleeve, he was going to show it there with 30 to go. So uh, he was hanging with me about a car back, uh, half car back at times. And, you know, in the back of my head, I was trying to be as smooth as I could. But I'm like, man, if Brian's saving something here and just going to peek his nose eventually – uh, I was a little nervous, but uh, thankfully uh, just started pulling in my gas. My spotter was telling me one back and then two back. So uh, he ended up telling me he used up the right front trying to trying to get on. It was uh, a little stressful there, a little hairy, but uh, came out on top. Now we talked to you after the red bud, and we, we, we talked about just the, you know, the frustrations you've had on the outlaw car. Pretty cool for you that uh, it's been exactly 100% opposite with this template car. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I think we got all the bad luck away at the beginning of the season. It, it seemed like if uh, anything could go wrong, it would go wrong at the beginning of 2021. And uh, now everything that could go right is going right. So, uh, you know, definitely a, a huge switch in my luck. But, uh, you know, I, I can't be more thankful and enjoy this any more than I am right now. It's kind of unreal to win two of the, you know, bigger races in the Midwest this year. Uh, a little bit unreal to me, but awesome. And it's got to be pretty awesome. You know, you, uh, anybody who doesn't know that that was a brand new car, the end of last season, uh, because you decided to bag up the old one that you had, uh, now you're eligible for the Arca Series super series championship. How does that feel? 
Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, with Stan and Judy, we never run enough races in the season to be eligible for it. You have to run, uh, I think it's like 75% of the CRA races in order to be eligible for the championship. So because of that rule, we've never uh, been a part of the championship before. We've always had, been in contention and had the points to make it. We just always never uh, ran enough races to be eligible. So, uh, you know, that'd be uh, the icing on the cake this year if we're able to pull that off. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm more eyeing the win at the Winchester 400 this year than going for the championship because uh, I'd really like to do that triple crown this year. Well, uh, just <clears throat> I'm not going to try to spoil anything for you, but now if you do win the Winchester 400, you also win the championship because you're locked into that final four rounds. So um, the, <laughs> I guess the goal is still the same, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, uh, I, I guess I would say going Winchester 400 weekend uh, – I'm going to go there and win that race. So, uh, you know, I'll take chances. I'm not going to be there points racing. Very good. Man, I want to talk about one other thing, uh, maybe two other things. The first one is, uh, have you ever felt as though you were going to be thrown over a grown man's shoulder before like you had down in Victory Lane? My goodness, JVD ran down there, and I thought he was going to lunge you over his shoulder and carry you around like a toddler. Man, he was fired up about that win. <laughs> Yeah, that's no joke. He grabbed me and, you know, I didn't know he had that much strength, but that was insane. <laughs> I didn't know where we were going, but uh, yeah, that was wild. Uh, talk to me about th what it means to you to see that, you know, obviously you guys are buying his car, you're you're buying his knowledge and his equipment and uh, mm -hmm. and his help to see him be that happy about what you've accomplished. And then, of course, your car owners, too, uh, you know, with Stan and, and Judy and, and how happy they got to be, too. I mean, what is that like for you as a driver? Yeah, it's really cool because, you know, Johnny kind of stepped away from racing. I don't know technically if he really wanted to. I feel like no one, you know, as a race car driver, you never really want to step away from it, especially, you know, at the level he was at. You know, he won everything there is to win, and he went out at a very high level. And, you know, when he's there helping other people uh, with their cars, and this weekend it was me, uh, I feel like it's probably almost just as rewarding for him just to be able to, you know, give his guidance and help and, uh, be able to see it come to fruition and, you know, win these big races. So it's really cool that to see he's as excited as I was, you know, to win these sort of races. And it, it goes that the same way with Stan and Judy. Uh, I was actually just at their house not too long ago, about an hour ago, unloading the car. And, you know, they got three of the CRA ARCA trophies now sitting in their house. And, you know, they're running out of room. They're going to have to buy another shelf. I guess they haven't <laughs> won uh, any of these races before. You know, now there's three of those trophies sitting up there for them. Now, I, I have to tell you, because I hadn't seen it before, but I love the new fire suit. You look gr great in black and red. I think it's cool. Yeah, that uh, I actually ordered it in, like, March, but because of COVID and my, everyone not working and all the material delays, I didn't get it till now. I was pretty sad at Red Blood. I didn't have the yeah. new suit. It, was, it, was, it actually came in right after it, so I got all those photos, and I'm like, dang, I wish I had that new suit, but... uh I ended up getting this one. I got all the fo cool photos in the new suit, so that's kind of cool. Well, nice job, man. Kyle Crump, victorious on Saturday at the Battle of Berlin. Uh, Johnny Van Dorn, one, two, three. We're going to talk to Johnny coming up here in just a little bit about uh, that portion of the show and what it means to him. But, Kyle, congratulations, man. Go get yourself a Winchester 400 and a championship. We'll see you there. All right, yeah, thanks, guys. All right, great stuff. Love to talk with Kyle, and, and it was a lot of fun to kind of chat with him at the CRA trailer. He was loose. He was having fun. Uh, but like I said, if Evan doesn't have that mechanical failure, 
I'm not sure that we see Kyle Crump go to victory lane. I don't know. He was starting to reel him in in traffic. Racing is, you know, hindsight's 20-20. You never know what's going to unfold. Uh, but, man, I, I really don't know how that would have played out had had Evan not had those issues. Let's go back into more uh, some more events that happened over this past weekend because it was a long weekend. Uh, again, going back to Wednesday night, Devin Moran and Bobby Pierce led the field to the green flag for the first Hell Tour race in Michigan for the final swing, and uh, it all started at Butler Motor Speedway on Wednesday. Moran got the jump on the initial start, but a pile up in turn four on the opening lap reset the stage. As for the crash, Thomas Hunzinger got out of shape on the uh, backstretch and couldn't get it together before uh, spinning out in front of multiple cars on the bottom of the track. It collected Eric Spangler, Hillard Miller, and Tanner English, who was in second in Hell Tour points coming into the weekend. On the restart, Pierce put some weight behind the nickname Smooth Operator, jumping out in front of Moran and Ashton Winger. The biggest challenge of the night for Pierce came in lap traffic near the midway point of the race. Bottom was the preferred way to get around the 3-8 mile oval, putting back markers directly in Pierce's way. As for Winger, he was closing the gap, but another caution flew, giving Pierce a clear track that he needed to collect the win. Winger held on for second ahead of Moran, Mitch McGrath, and Rusty Schlenk. As for the dirt car modifieds, Bill Griffith and Brandon Bollinger, uh, brought the field to the green. Bollinger led the first few rotations before Mount Carmel, Illinois driver Will Krupp found his way to the front. He led the rest of the way for his second consecutive Summer Nationals win at Butler. Then on Thursday, had a chance to follow the tour to I-96 Speedway. Devin Moran rebounded, taking the lead on the opening lap. He never looked back. He survived multiple restarts, including one without Bobby Pierce, as Pierce suffered overheating issues on his power plant. Tanner English improved eight positions to finish second ahead of Ashton Winger in third. As for the modified race Thursday night, it was anything but efficient. Jeffrey Erickson Jr. led the first six rotations before Hunter Gossam, or I should say before Hunt Gossam, used the extreme inside of the track to take the lead. Shortly after that, an onslaught of cautions plagued the remainder of the 30-lap event. Finally, after it was all sorted out, Rich Gossam cruised to the victory over Erickson, his second Hell Tour win of the uh, 2021 season. Will Krupp rounded out the podium on Thursday night. Well, Zach, I got to go spend some time Friday night at Tri-City Motor Speedway, and there is a common thread between Thursday and Friday, trust me. Uh, but the Summit, Summit Racing Equipment Modifieds kicked things off, uh, and it was Jeff Erickson Jr. taking the overall fast qualifier honors right out of the gate. Uh, in the feature, Erickson and Hunt Gossam would lead the field to green. Uh, Kurt Spalding would work around Gossam early to take over second before a caution on lap two. Uh, on the restart, Gossam would work back around Spalding and, and really watch Erickson drive away, Zach, but the 16-year-old showed patience as he would fall back into his clutches. Uh, Gossam would then waste no time uh, in working around Erickson and driving off for his second win in as many nights and his third Summer Nationals win of 2021. And I caught up with the youngster to talk about his night. We're with the gentleman who's picked up his second win in a row, uh, Hunt Gossam. Uh, Got to be pretty thrilled. Two nights in a row in Michigan. You're sitting here with a trophy in the check. Yes, sir. Um, something about Michigan down here. We had pretty good luck. Uh, won uh, two years ago at Oak Shade, age 14. I came down here this year, won at Oak Shade again. And uh, we won tonight. We've gotten uh, three wins this year uh, with the Summer National Tour. Uh, so, so far, it's been a pretty good year. Tell me about it. these two racetracks that you just won on. Nobody can confuse them for being the same, yet you kind of won the same way. Yes, Tri-City and I-96, yeah. Uh, they're, they're totally different tracks. 
Dirt's totally different. Um, I-96 is a lot faster, but more tight turns here. It's more of a sweeping momentum track. So, uh, But it was on the bottom both nights, so uh, it's a pretty cool deal. What is it about the bottom? Is that more comfortable for you? Because the car looked awesome last night at I-96. You made a lot of time and drove away. And kind of the same thing tonight after you got by Jeffrey Erickson. Yeah, something about these cars, Elite Racing Chassis. I want to shout out Nick Hoffman. He helped us a lot this year. Uh, best business in the uh, in the in the world right now, I think. Right. Um, yeah, something about these cars. When it gets slick, there's a little moisture on the bottom. If or, if there's not, uh, same thing with Jeffrey Erickson. Uh, he ran the bottom. He's an elite. He's, he was really good tonight. So uh, something about these cars when it gets slick and on the bottom, they're really good. Seemed like early the horsepower that Jeff had uh, kind of affected you getting off the corner. You, you didn't get off real well, and he could pull down the straightaway. You yeah. kind of had to be patient. Uh, to kind of reel him back in. Yeah, we have an old 60 on tonight, so uh, we had to wait for that to finally fire off. Lap 11 through 15, somewhere around there, finally fired off. But yeah, we have a really little motor. We have a 358, I believe. It's tiny, but uh, it runs pretty good once it gets slick. But uh, on takeoff and restarts, yeah, they kill us. So one more to go this weekend at Merritt tomorrow. How do you like your chances? Uh, I don't want to jinx us, <laughs> of course. Uh, Right now we're doing pretty good, so uh, we're just going to take the pause momentum and go forward. But uh, I, 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 want, I want the win, but we're second in points right now, Summer Nationals. That's what we really came down here to do. We got that locked in. So uh, we're just going to kind of ride around and see what happens tomorrow. Tell me who makes this all possible for you. Elite Racing Chassis, um, Spec Racing Engine, Zach Bunning Graphics. He helps us out a lot. We get a nick on this car. He helps us out, puts a new wrap on. Mom and Dad, can't thank them enough. I wouldn't be down here. I'm in school right now, so uh, they got me out just for this deal. Uh, I just want to thank everybody else on this car. Uh, Hellbent Holsters, uh, just everybody. Erickson, Craig Vance, uh, Spalding, and Kenny Wallace would complete the top five. Then it was on to Summer Nationals Late Models, where Devin Moran would take the over, overall Fast Qualifier Award. And uh, it was the out-of-towner train uh, in the heat race action as Moran, Ashton Winger, Tanner English and Frank Heckenass Jr. would all grab heat race, heat race wins. Uh, then it was on to the 40-lap $10,000 to win main event. And this one took forever, Zach, just to get to lap 18. Several early cautions marred the event. At one point, four in a row just following restarts. We had trouble just getting a lap in. Uh, this would allow Heckenass to hold on to the early lead from his outside front row starting position. But on the lap 18 restart... Winger would take over the point, taking the 81E of English with him. The race would go green until a caution on lap 39, yep, 39, which would set up a one-lap shootout between Winger and a charging Devin Moran. Uh, following the restart, Moran would throw a huge slider into turn number three, but he couldn't quite clear the 12 machine of Winger. <clears throat> and off turn number four, Winger would beat Moran to the line, and uh, first, Zach, I caught up with Devin Moran to talk about that final lap. With your second place finisher, tried to go two in a row tonight, uh, couldn't quite get it done, Devin Moran. First of all, talk about the beginning of this race. Is it? We'll start with the first half. Is it so hard to get a flow going with all those cautions? Yeah, that's really just what I felt like killed me. I got up to second or whatever, and really I got to the lead, and then caution just kept coming out and kept coming out. And then I had one bad restart and went back to like fifth again, and I just... Had to work my butt off to get back up through there, so that was kind of frustrating, but uh, I felt like we had a really, really good race car tonight. We just couldn't capitalize on it. Hung around the top three, had a late caution, one lap to go. That's probably the one you wanted. Yeah, 
Yeah, that one the same. I was trying to slide Ashton for the win. I just I couldn't make myself wreck him to win. But uh, all in all, like I said, the racetrack was really good, and we had a good car, so we'll go on to tomorrow. And I was going to ask you about that. You take it into turn three, and you pulled a big slider. Couldn't quite clear him. It, you thought better of it than to end up at his door, and 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 that that was pretty much it. But you gave it a heck of a shot. Yeah, we were trying. Like I said, I just don't like doing that to people, and uh, he's always racing me clean. I'm racing him clean with respect, and. Uh, Man, I really wanted to, and if it might have been a lot more money, maybe I would have, but uh, not for this show tonight. Two different tracks, two nights in a row that can't be mistaken for each other. Um, was that hard to get a grip of, of the Tri-City Motor Speedway tonight just because it was nothing like I-96 last night? Yeah, it was uh, definitely super slick, but uh, it was really good racing. You could move all over in one and two, and uh, you could kind of float three and four, so it was a lot of fun. I felt like it was a really great racetrack, and uh, hopefully tomorrow's the same. Tell me who all makes this possible for you. Uh, obviously, Ty Torg Racing. Uh, he does so much for us. And, uh, Big D's Pizza, C&W Trucking, Tony Pope Construction, Eminem Painting Construction, uh, McHugh's Dodge Jeep, uh, and so many contingency sponsors and everyone else. I just can't thank them all enough. Winger would pick up his uh, fifth Hell Tour victory, and I tracked down Ashton afterwards to get his thoughts. Man, first of all, a um, little hard to get into this event, uh, kind of into the flow with so many early cautions. Uh, kind of talk about that. Actually, usually that cautions mess me up, but I think they helped me tonight. I, first thing I need to say is thanks to Devin Moran, man. He really could have roughed me up there, and he drove by me like three times, and I just I got lucky with caution. So, um, you know, I think he drove by me a couple times when we were racing, and I got a caution. And I know he he had me cleared one time on a restart. So we just had things go our way tonight. I'm real thankful for that. Uh, I need to thank all the awesome people around me: uh, Johnny Doe Plumbing, Super K Express, Decab, Kaiser Manufacturing, Integra Shocks, BP Racing Fuels, Boswells. Crowd Security, Farmer Tree Service, Mill Con Mills Concrete, um, you know, my dad, Will, everybody has been working their butts off. Uh, man, it's, it's been a grind on this past uh, two, two and a half months, whatever it's been, but uh, it's been a lot of fun. I've learned a lot. Um, you know, like I said, thanks to uh, Colin Signs, Hoosier Racing Tire. Like I said, there's so many people that goes into to my racing, and I'm really thankful, and uh, one more. We got to the halfway point, and you guys had quite a long green flag run, um, and you still held on to the lead. How was the car at that point? I feel like the longer we went, the better I got once I got to the lead. I'm not really sure how big of a lead I had at the caution, but I felt like I could get two lap cars and get by them pretty, you know, I was pretty maneuverable. So um, I wasn't sure how big of a lead I had. I, I, like I said, right, we had one restart where Devin literally drove by me on the outside. I got to pick the lane and then he drove by me again. So I didn't know how, how close he was, but I was just thankful. Uh, to get the lead whenever I did. Uh, I was kind of worried early because Frank was really good, Tanner was good, and then, you know, Devin was showing me a nose like crazy there for a long time. So uh, it just all worked out. I'm, I'm glad it did. Um, you know, it's, I know a lot of people would really kill to be in my shoes. So I'm just really thankful taking it all in and uh, just savoring every moment. Uh, a little bit opposite from Devin. You probably didn't want that caution with one to go, one lap shootout. Uh, Devin dive bombs you into turn number three and, um, he actually stayed off of you, but it, it, that was a pretty impressive move. Yeah, no, that was, uh, he, he definitely could have roughed me up there. We we made a little bit of contact, but man, it's, uh, we're racing for 10 grand coming to the line. So, uh, like I said, I, you know, thanks to him for staying off of me because I know how frustrating it can be to drive by somebody so many times and, and feel like they're just in the way. And if you can get clear of them, you know, feel like you can go clear sailing. So, um, again, real thankful that he raced me clean and, and um, you know, we're on to merit tomorrow. Not a bad Michigan swing here for you. The two weeks that you were here, uh, one more tomorrow. 
how do you like your chances? Uh, well, I feel like we got as good a shot as anybody, so we're gonna go uh, go into every go into tomorrow like we're going to every race, man. It's a new day. I've, you know, I've said it the whole time. We've won five of these Hill Tour races, and I can promise on every single one of them the next day nobody really cares. So uh, that's what's so cool about this Hill Tour is you get to, you get to race in and out every night, and and when things are going bad, you get to forget about it and go on to the next day. The, the one thing that's kind of silly. Not silly, but it's just a uh, hard pill to swallow is, is whenever you, when you do win like this or win a, one of their bigger races, that being a 10,000, tomorrow's a new day and you can't really relish on that. So, you know, it's, uh, I'm thankful to be running as good as we are right now and hopefully we can finish the steal off strong. Congratulations tonight and good luck tomorrow. Thanks, man. Thanks for all you guys do. So, Zach, I had a great time at Tri-City on Friday and uh, as always, and in case you're interested, uh, Heckenast English and Dona Marcoulier would complete the top five in that feature. Well, of course, that wasn't the end of the weekend. The Summer Nationals invaded Merritt Speedway Saturday night for the running of a $10,000 to win Super Late Model event. Of course, Summit Racing Equipment Modifieds hit the track first for a 30-lap race. Jeffrey Erickson Jr. and Brandon Bollinger led the field to the green, and a, an intense battle kicked right off. Bollinger led the opening trip around Merritt Speedway, then Erickson Powered past on lap four, taking the lead for himself. He looked to have victory in sight, but 2011 dirt car reigning champion Jacob Poole changed uh, the entire complexity of the night, taking the lead, and he never looked back. The win marked the fourth of the year for uh, Poole and his number 87. Erickson settled for second. Three-time track champion Chad Bauer, Caleb Kill, and 2018 dirt car regional champion Colin Thurlby finished out the top five. Then it was on to the late models. Ten grand on the line. And it was Ashton Winger and Travis Stemmler who brought the field to the green. Stemmler wasted little time winning the drag race to the lead into turn number one. Stemmler was able to pull away, trying to put as much distance between he and the rest of the field as he could. Then on lap 17, Winger found some momentum and made the pass on the outside for the top position. Winger will hold the lead for the rest of the event despite battling through heavy lap traffic. Winger, the 21-year-old Hampton, Georgia native, won his first ever event at Merritt Speedway and sixth on the tour. Devin Moran brought it home runner-up. Travis Stemmler uh, fell back to third. Chad Finley and Tanner English rounded out the top five on Saturday at Merritt Speedway. And then, of course, important to note that uh, Bobby Pierce, the smooth operator, picked up the $29,000 payday that went with becoming the uh, Dirt Car UMP Summer Nationals Hell Tour champion, and uh, they crowned him Saturday at Merritt Speedway. All right, a uh, lot of the news is out of the way. we got a couple of more things to talk about, Rich, but first, let's take a look at the Gary Did You Know segment from last week. Uh, this, of course, presented by or brought to us by Fast Time Racing Engines and Parts. Uh, apparently a tough week. I don't know. Uh, I think maybe some people glazed over it this week for some reason or another, but I know that we have a lot of listeners that pay attention to this segment, so even if they didn't play along, Rich, let's go over the answers from last week. Yeah, and I, and I did see uh, I did see our buddy Rand Thompson say, "Well, three of them are easy." He goes, but he didn't well, take a run at him. <laughs> yeah, but he had no clue about the fourth one, so he wasn't going to get it anyway. And I, 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 that's the one that we talked about. Let's start out with number one, though. Name three drivers who have over 100 feature wins in ARCA short track racing history. That would be Flat Rock and Toledo combined. The answers are Joy Fair, Bob Stute. And Ron Allen. Two of the three names very familiar with. One of them, of course, a friend of the program with Ron Allen. We've had a couple of shows with him on. And uh, then, of course, the Joy Fair name, pretty much synonymous with Flat Rock. And Ron Allen, a 2020 inductee in the Michigan Motorsports Hall of Fame. He'll be inducted this November because no banquet last year. So, uh, so Ron, all of them in the Hall of Fame. That's pretty cool. Now, 
Question number two, Rich France, was Flat Rock Speedway ever dirt? We talked about this a little bit extensively because I said, I got to thinking, I thought, my oh my, if it, if it hasn't ever been dirt, maybe we should consider it because I think that would be one heck of a dirt track. Now, Rich, you tell me, was the soil that potatoes are grown in ever graced the ground as a racing surface at Flat Rock? Well, I'm going to have to disappoint my buddy and my partner here, and it is, no, it was never never dirt Zach. Can't believe it uh, but in 1953 just for a little more information it was the first rubberized asphalt speedway in the country really huh. yes all right well the more you know okay question number three was a pretty and this one kind of expands the horizons a little bit outside michigan yeah so before it was anderson speedway in indiana what was it called i had no idea now Rand said this one was easy yeah, he must have known it, or he was able to find it easily. Okay. I, I think that's probably something, Google. But the answer is Sun Valley Speedway. I've never heard of that. No. So that had to have been a long time ago, I would think. All right. Now, number four was the one that Rand said he wouldn't be able to get. and Along with 4,000 listeners and Zach and Rich. Yeah. We wouldn't get it either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So our 4,000 followers on Facebook didn't take a run at it. Our uh, our 600 listeners or so a week didn't take a run at it. But what do we got here on number four? So Ron Laban raced these this type of car, and what was his favorite number? And, Zach, the answer is uh, he raced late models, number 87, did most of his racing at Berlin Raceway. Never would have got it. Never would have got it. Me neither. I tried. I mean, I tried to see if I could just find it, even though I knew the answer because Gary shared it with us, um, and I couldn't find it. Hmm. I could not find it. it and, and I'm and, and I'm kind of a Google connoisseur. I dig deep. Sure. And I I still couldn't find it. So, well, uh, that was a tough one. Uh, I think Gary. There's one he kind of, I believe he stumped everybody. With. Nice job, Gary. Hey, that's Gary. Did you know for this week? Brought to you by Fast Time Race Engines and Parts. Uh, we appreciate their support of gary did you know here through the summer months of uh, the racing season all right let's get back into some of the news from over the weekend it was a pair of sevens leading the 21 car field to green at birch run speedway over the weekend josh Ware on the outside front row david mcmanus winner of the previous two modified features at birch run on the pole current tour points leader danny jackson lined up p3 ahead of al and trevor berry in positions four and five mcmanus gained the early lead on the initial start with a really a nice lead over where then Barry spent the opening eight laps fighting for third spot with Jackson. Barry successfully made the pass on the inside and then began tracking down Ware and McManus. By the halfway point, Barry had closed the gap to Ware, searching inside and outside for a way around the black number 7W. Ware continued to shut the door, holding off Barry. Then on lap 37, a caution flag displayed for a lapped car spinning through the turn, one, uh, turn two grass. On the ensuing restart, McManus secured the early advantage once again, quickly pulling away from Ware and Barry. Barry, however, didn't waste any time before beginning a barrage of attacks on Ware. This time, Barry went to work on the bottom and within five laps successfully completed the pass in turn one. Meanwhile, making use of the battle behind him, McManus opened up a half a straightaway lead and crossed the stripe to claim his third feature win in a row and fifth on the season at Birch Run Speedway. Trevor Barry came home second, Josh Ware rounding out the podium and rich uh, it's our pleasure now to welcome in the guy who's been on a roll here tonight and that is david mcmanus and uh you know we just kind of talked about that what is it we said three in a row then we heard maybe it's four in a row but man uh, nonetheless david mcmanus welcome into horsepower happenings glad to have you here uh, you're on a roll man how's it feel 
Uh, thanks a lot, Zach, first of all, for having me on. But, man, it's been an incredible season. You know, it seems like after last year, we struggled quite a bit at Owasso Speedway. And then the very last race, we went to Sandusky Speedway. And, and it started there, really. And uh, we had a good run going. And, and I bumped a guy and, and tapped out, you know, had to go to the rear after that. And then we were quickly able to get through the field and ended up winning that show our first time there. And I thought, holy cow, you know, I'd never done anything quite like that. And so I was excited. You know, I was already excited for the 2021 season. And um, I guess since we started out, we've just been on a hot streak. For me, uh, David McManus is synonymous with a yellow number seven modified. Um, but I can only assume there's more to the story. What, give me a brief overview, man. What What is your... Uh, you know, what is your condensed Reader's Digest version of your career leading up to this point? Um, it started off in a Camaro street stock, you know, a lot, like a lot of guys. I guess now we have the pure stocks, and at that time it was a factory stock. And uh, so that's where I started on the quarter mile at Auto City, and uh, that was in 1999. And we did that for, I don't know, a handful of races that season, all of 2000. And then um, a little bit in 2001, and then transitioned into an outlaw super late model. So that was a pretty big deal, a huge change. You know, I felt like I had a pretty good handle on things. And then I got in there and I had to wonder how those guys did it um, because nothing translated, you know, but mm. dad, I grew up kind of watching him at auto city speedway on the half mile in his outlaw car. And he had an old one in a garage at grandma's house. And he said, well, if you want to put it together, we can both run one of these things. And so that's what we did. Now, David, Zach and I, have a lot of conversations we, we we like different types of race cars but one thing we both seem to agree on is that out of all the cars we've watched these pavement modifieds have got to be wicked to drive so you want yeah, to you want to settle this for us uh absolutely i think i've been in pretty much every division between the factory stocks the outlaw super lates on 10 inch slicks the template cars with a crate engine uh and then these modifieds which were on the treaded tire now it's a slick but not much has changed. Um, these are by far the hardest to drive, the most difficult. You know, you've got more power than you would ever need, very little tire, very little body work, no rear spoiler, not much of a nose. Um, there, so there's no downforce. There's no mechanical grip through the tire. And like I said, you know, you, you even look at the loud pile funny and you're going to blow the, the rear tires off these things. <laughs> so it's just incredibly difficult. And so the guys that are able to run up front consistently – um, they all do a really good job. And you forgot another major portion. There's no weight in that race car either. Yeah, that's true. 2,400 pounds in the modifieds versus we were at 2,700 in the outlaw cars. So those cars, it's like a slot car, you know. And so jumping out of that, after I was able to make that transition and get the good feel of it, I thought, well, okay, you can do anything after that. And it's not true. Uh, these modifieds, like I said, there's just not much grip. They're totally different real easy to overdrive that corner you, you know you feel like you can barrel it in there but as soon as you try that you're going to end up in dixie highway real quick now you've, you've had a pretty dominating season up here in michigan but i noticed that um you hadn't really followed the midwest modifieds tour this season um you feel like you wish you could have because i think you would have uh, probably won a bunch of races there too the way you've been running i do you know what was great about bertrand speedway last week especially um we were able to sit around bonfire afterwards and I was able to talk with Bud Gray who co-owns the series with Brian Nestor. And, and we talked about what went on this season and how I thought it was really a pretty good schedule. And uh, we talked a little bit about next year and I, I think there's going to be some really good things to come. So um, I'm really excited about being a bigger part of that series next year. Um, so like you said, the local deal around here, auto city, Dixie speedway, um, 
it's been real good. And I think, I hope <laughs> that you're right about that, that when we do decide to hit the road, we'll be just as successful. Um, but those, those guys that do follow the tour, they're the best. You know, there's no way, two ways about it. And you, you had made mention of that too. We saw the article by our, our friend uh, Chuck Darling, and we we saw some of your remarks about, uh, you know, we heard your interview with Ed down in Victory Lane that racing with those guys on uh, over the weekend felt different, right? That it was it was was it more challenging, or I mean, how was the field different? Can you can you explain that at all? Yeah, the level of intensity, the 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 speed of. I guess I would just explain it as a level of intensity. They're more intense. They don't make the same number of mistakes. They're um, high-quality cars, high-quality drivers that they're used to going to these different tracks and can adapt quickly, and that's really important when you're in a series or when you're going to bounce around a little bit more than what we have this year. You know, um, A lot of guys can find a good home track and do real well there, but when they hit the road, they don't see that same level of success. So. I've tried to, over the years, be able to do that. We've had some luck with that. Um, had a couple good runs, like Kalamazoo Speedway. I haven't ran there in 10 years, and when I did, it was an outlaw car. Mm-hmm. So when we showed up with over 55 cars, I think, for the, the modified show, um, you know, it's tense because you yeah. may not make the show. If you mess up, if you make an error just in the slightest, you're not going to make the show, uh, especially when sometimes the entire field is separated by two-tenths of a second. The thing I think is great for you is that this race on Saturday was almost a no-doubter. Um, you start on the outside pole, as we talked about. Uh, I'm sorry, you start on the pole, uh, as we talked about in the story, and you, you kind of ran away with this thing, even through some restarts. What is it about you and Bertrand Speedway? How how'd you get that car so hooked up? Um, honestly, it hasn't even just been Bertrand. I've always been decent there. Um, it's not my best place i don't think but uh it's where we've ran the most this year and so it i guess the results just kind of show that um you know our, our best finishes have been there because we've been there so much but um you know it's been good everywhere i really can't complain i've worked with travis Eddy on some setup uh information and and kind of done our own twist on it just a little bit and we've really got it dialed in i i couldn't be more pleased with the way this thing drives so I feel like we could take it about anywhere and be able to be competitive, you know, and, and there's nothing better than showing up knowing you're in the hunt. Uh, like I said, because last year that wasn't the case. You know, if we finished fifth at Owasso, it was a reasonable day. And um, it, it's hard because when you've had success and you've won races and then you go and, and struggle and um, it takes the wind out of your sails a little bit. And there's a few guys going through that this year, you know, where they couldn't, they couldn't do any wrong last year. And then, for whatever reason maybe it's the tire change whatever um they're struggling and so i guess it's our turn and so we're going to take full advantage of it and, and do as good as we can now you walked me right into that one david you know in the spring i was down at montgomery motor speedway and uh, they had a joint event for the midwest modified tour and the modified minds of mayhem from down south now they get slight rule differences in their modifieds but uh, you know they made some adjustments to make kind of level the playing field any interest in going down and doing something like that because my opinion i i watched that race i thought it was an incredible race by two different series from what i understand it's largely body rules which in most places we run tend to not really make a difference um it's purely aesthetics or creativity or the look that you prefer um which i do really enjoy about this class because it allows that creative freedom and so there is that that I enjoy because I do the body work and so forth. And I have fun with it. But um, 
I do. I like the idea. I, I try not to go too far from home. Travel costs tend to ramp up pretty quick when you're going uh, that far down the road. You've got hotel expenses and, and diesel fuels up, and you're looking at nine miles a gallon uh, yeah. there and back. So it, it adds up in a hurry. Now, last week we talked with uh, Steve Cronenwent Jr., who is on a winning streak of his own uh, when we talked to him. And I'm going to ask you the same question. When you're on this winning streak right now, again, at Birch Run specifically, but you know we're going to hopefully take that on the road, as you said. When you're on this winning streak and you show up to the racetrack, is anything less than a win? Uh, I mean, are you still going to call that a good day? Or I know that we as race car drivers are always disappointed when we don't win, but does it sting even more after you've been on a streak? I think it does. You know, you can't help but to build an expectation when I think this year we've ran 19 shows and in 13 of those we've either ran first or second wow um, geez, so so, eats. what a stat yeah it's it's going so well that if we do show up and run third or fourth i'm scratching my head wondering what in the world is wrong and then if i look last year or the year before we would say you know that was a good run it wasn't a win but we did yeah. great so it is true you know and it Nobody likes to hear a guy bummed out. You know, you don't want to sound like Kyle Bush or whatever, pissed off about <laughs> running second or third. But, but you do build a level of expectation that when you're competitive, you expect to be competitive everywhere. Well, I'll tell you, I have to tell you, uh, our partner in crime with Horsepower Happenings, uh, Chuck Darling, who does, does a lot of work with us and, 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 and does a bunch of stories, uh, he did the math 2.7 average finish over 19 races. Ouch. <laughs> that's this is by far the best season i've ever had um in any division uh we've just like i said the car is working so well uh i've got a good feel for these now and um i guess what i'm most proud of is being able to do that at, at different places i mean sure we've got some good numbers here at dixie but like i said we ran second to jeff gannis over at kalamazoo he's got a thousand laps there more than a thousand a million laps there outlaw cars, factory stocks, whatever, you know, he's driven anything and everything over there. Um, and he's a real talent. I mean, it's obvious, you know, his stats show that. So to run second there and then Springport, the hot shoe, Springport, for whatever reason, I struggle, you know, and so we did well there and I'm just, I couldn't be more happy with it. Now I know you know what you're doing behind the wheel of those modifieds, but I was looking at a picture and I saw in the background, Eddie Performance Solutions, Right when I see that sticker, it tells me that car's got some technology behind it. Yeah, I mean, like I said, we, we went up there, and, and I talked with Travis for a while. We worked on the car, and we kind of bounced a few ideas off of each other, and he explained some things to me. And, you know, right when you think you know not everything, but you've got a real good handle on things, you learn that maybe you don't know as much as you thought you did, and it was kind of like that. Um, so some light bulbs went off, and... and um, I guess that's probably one of the biggest parts behind the way we're running. And you just answered what my question was going to be, not to beat a dead horse, because obviously you've, you've uh, have the experience in modifieds and you found success before, but you know, when you go on a run like this and have an unbelievable season, you kind of wonder, was there an aha moment where it's like, yep, that was the little piece that we were missing in our organization. And, And you said there was a time where a couple of light bulbs went off. So now the question becomes, David, how do you keep that going as we near the end of a season and uh, some guys already over with their season looking to 2022? How do you hope to keep that momentum, keep what you've learned, keep what you've found, and roll it into next season? 
Well, you got to, in order to roll into the next season, you got to roll it into the trailer at the end of the night. And um, so it's staying out of trouble. It's going to these other racetracks and being adaptable. Like I touched on just a little bit ago, you know, I'd like to go in at Spartan again. Uh, I love what they're doing over there. Um, we're going to hit the Wasso Nationals event. So that's going to require a few changes, hopefully without upsetting what we've built on so far. Uh, and then we've got, I believe, one more at Auto City and a handful, a couple more at Dixie. So, yeah, it's winding down, um, but I'm looking forward to it still. Um, you know, we've got the great streak going. So I think we're going to be able to roll forward. And, and who knows? I'm not sure what we're going to do next year as far as uh, maybe a different car, another car, a new car. Um, but I hope to, to do a little bit more racing on the road. Do you put a tall gear in and head to uh, southern or northern uh, middle Indiana toward the end of the year? Uh, I was talking that over with my dad just last week, and I don't think so. Okay. Uh, we're both a little hesitant. Um, that's, that's, hey, that place is, we're talking about Winchester, of course. That place is big, and it's hard on equipment. There's no, no way around that. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I was there one time before. Uh, it was in 2013, and that was when we had the template car, and uh, that was my first visit. And it was a JEG CRA event, and we had well, we almost got into second. I think we crossed the line second. Uh, but Scott Neal and I had a, a little incident there <laughs> coming out of turn four on the front straightaway, and that ended with um, some significant damage there. So hmm. it, it was almost a, a complete and total loss on the car. And it's hard to want to go back after something like that, even when sure. you're competitive, you know, it's just, it, it, it's hard to forget that one. Well, man, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. It's been a lot of fun to kind of watch from the sidelines. Uh, as Rich alluded to, the Modifieds are one of my favorite divisions. Uh, you guys have your hands full. You're really driving those cars, and you're driving them at a high rate of speed, too. So I wish you luck the rest of the season. Congrats on what you've already accomplished. And uh, I'd like to give you a chance right now because, obviously, we don't have any, uh, you know, any uh, anything different than the PA has at the local racetrack. We'd like to give you a chance to thank those who made it possible for you to go to Victory Lane a few times this season. Oh, most definitely. Rat Tech Engine Service, they've been with us, and, and they do a fantastic job for us. State Building Company and Trips Auto Collision out of Lansing. Um, those guys all do great. And then, obviously, those guys that come to the track, it, you can't do it by yourself. So Matt Scannell is a big part of that. Dale Palmer, uh, Cody Scannell, George Colley. Of course, my mom and dad are always there. And um, they all help out any way that they can. And so that's all huge. And then my girlfriend, Amanda Parcher, you know, she comes to most events when she can. Her work schedule sometimes doesn't allow for it. But when she can, she's there. Well, he calls Bertrand, Michigan home, and uh, whether that's on the racetrack or uh, in the house, man, uh, David McManus, congratulations. Good luck the rest of the way. Hopefully we talk to you again soon. All right. Thanks a lot, Zach and Rich, and I uh, appreciate talking to you guys, and uh, I can't wait to listen in on your future uh, upcoming programs. All right. Let's break up the uh, exciting uh, pavement pounder edition of horsepower happenings and tell you that there's a big dirt race coming up in just a couple of weeks rich france labor day weekend will never not involve dirt late model racing i don't think in the state of michigan and even more so this year because of the all-star performance late model challenge series now you have almost exclusively been our correspondent do you predict adona marcoulier going all the way to win this championship or is somebody now going to sneak up there and take something from these guys um I think with a couple of events left, I think um, it's he's got a pretty nice points points lead. Let's just say that uh, he, and I think that was all the first half of the season. Um, he hasn't had the runs in the last couple of events, All Star Performance events, but uh, you know he had started off with a couple of wins, and, and that really 
you know, and some of the other guys weren't weren't running their best early in the season. And I think that got him a lead uh, to get out there. So unless something catastrophic happens uh, at Tri-City Motor Speedway, uh, I think uh, Dona Marcoulier, uh, is going to be your 2021 champion. Late Model Challenge Series rolls into Tri-City Motor Speedway Friday, September 3rd to kick off the weekend, then Saturday and Sunday at Merritt Speedway as part of the Labor Day weekend. Late Model Challenge Series is back in action on Labor Day weekend. And, uh, Rich, I don't know about you, but Travis Stemler was pretty disappointed in how Woodtick went. Chad Finley's not been real happy. They busted out a brand-new car. Logan Arntz has got a brand-new car. He's hungry for a win. I think if you're Dona Marcoulier, you're watching over your shoulder here for these last couple of races because these guys want to win. They want a big paycheck. I don't think they care about the points anymore. Now it's all about going to victory lane, and it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. The third through the fifth Late Model Challenge Series. Find out more at TriCityRacetrack.com or MeritSpeedwayMI.com, and we'll see you there for the Late Model Challenge Series. Okay, Rich, we've basically talked about uh, his race cars all night, it seems like, and now it's time to bring the man in who is uh, playing a pretty big role in all the success here over the last couple of weeks. Let us know who we're talking with. Well, Zach, we used to have this gentleman on to talk about his own crown jewel wins, uh, but these days he's building the cars that are winning those events. Uh, and this weekend in Berlin, one, two, and three with his Van Dorn Racing Development cars. Great to have him back on the show. It's been a while. Johnny Van Dorn, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Always a pleasure to be on the show. Man, when you uh, when you have the kind of talent uh, of a Carson host of our leading your stable of cars, how cool is it to see Kyle Crump, who, I, my opinion, is the most underrated driver around, because uh, he can wheel anything. What he's doing this year? No, absolutely. I've actually uh, I've made that statement before on on social media back when I was on Facebook, but. Um, I, I agree a hundred percent. Um, I'm a, always been a big fan of Kyle Crump. Um, I watched him come into the late model world a few years ago. Uh, it's actually kind of a cool story when I was driving the port city house car and we, it was actually at the two fifty one um, at Berlin. I think this would have been 2013 and uh, he ended up parking next to me and they were running the Jags race the night before. And, he shows up with his mom and his dad and his sister. They got this 20 year old, um, car that's just so outdated and, and they had no idea what they were doing. And by golly, by the end of the race, he ended up finishing fourth in the Jegs race at Berlin, which is one of the toughest tracks to get around. And that was my first real awakening to man, this kid, this kid can drive. Cause I, I know what he's driving and he just went out there and did this, this, this kid can get it done. And you've done that now with a couple of different people who have either come to you and said, Hey, we need a car. Or you've said, Hey, you probably should get in one of my cars. Um, and then, you know, over the last couple of weeks, your, st your stables success has been undeniable you know we'll go back to the red bud just because that's the the quickest one to remember of course flat rock the race that you guys sponsored was a great night for you guys uh, had a lot of johnny van doren cars in the top five red bud with uh, kyle going to victory lane and then one two three on saturday i want to talk to you about going from being a driver to now being an owner which which do you get more uh which do you get more satisfaction out of because man i've seen you celebrate in victory lane now as an owner slash spotter and uh, you look like you'd be throwing as much champagne as you would have when you were a driver. Yeah, for sure. My my brother and I um, own Van Dorn Racing Development, and we, man, it's it's 
it's just as rewarding or more rewarding seeing your product go out there and, and do well and run well and, and, and win races. And, um, you know, to, for me on, um, personally, you know, I really like working with these drivers, especially ones that, you know, maybe don't have experience or just getting into the sport and really working with them, not just on a car level, but on a driving level and in team level and helping, helping them develop their team. And, and, um, you know, when you can see, see the progress and see the improvement, um, you know, that's, that's really rewarding. My, my phase as a driver, uh, has come and gone and, you know, I've had my fun and it didn't did what I needed to do with that. But this is, this is a change of life that, that was meant for me at this time is, is to be a race car builder and, and, um, more of a consultant crew chief and man, just having a ton of fun and just really good group of guys. You know, I, I work with, with all kinds of different, different drivers from all over the country and, you know, I've been helping Andrew Scheid, and he had his career best finish this weekend at Berlin and did an excellent job. And um, I helped Albert Francis out a little bit, and he ran good until he got caught up a little, you know, a little fender bender. But um, it, it's really rewarding seeing seeing the progress and see how these kids develop um, as quick as they do. Now, Johnny, I wasn't able to be there. I had we had championship night at Flat Rock, uh, so so I couldn't be over at Berlin, but. So I, I, Zach told me today, he says, Hey, they, you know, VRD went one, two, three. And I looked at the photos and I said, well, no, it didn't. The 47 finished second. And he goes, yes. So now you have to tell me how the heck did the 47 graphics get on a Van Dorn racing development car? Yeah, for sure. This has <laughs> been, uh, this has been a few years in the works of trying to, uh, get the Brian Campbell Lakeshore Motorsports guys to, to run our cars. Um, they are just a great group of guys. Brian's obviously, in my opinion, probably one of the most talented drivers in the Midwest. And, uh, you know, of course his dad, Fred is, um, you know, this is, is the bar for, you know, uh, late model drivers out of the Midwest. He was, he was the man for so long and, um, but no great group of guys. And, um, I think they, you know, they just wanted to be aligned with somebody that, um, they could work with and develop and, and, and improve their cars. And, um, it was a, and you couldn't ask for a uh, better first race because they ended up winning the Jegs portion of the race. They finished second, but they they are the highest finishing Jegs car. Um, so that was pretty awesome to to do that. And um, you know, we're hoping for real big things out of that program. You know, and we played his interview earlier in the show. And uh, if you go back, you can go back and listen to it if you missed it. Um, his excitement level and brian's not necessarily an excitable guy but he was very happy when he got out of that car a big smile on his face uh he obviously thanked vrd for for everything that they had done and uh i'm not gonna be i'm not gonna beat around the bush i think that that brian had kind of started to fall off the map a little bit you know the performance was not where he needed it to be not where he wanted it to be and and uh, i think this run meant a lot to him and as you alluded to a veteran such as himself who is so talented to kind of not kind of, to have such a great run in your equipment and, uh, you know, probably is going to lead to a resurgence for him, I'm guessing. And uh, I know he was really excited about that, and that's going to make you proud too. Obviously, you're proud of everybody who performed on Saturday, but just a guy like that who kind of, I feel like, needed a little boost. Yeah, for sure. When you can take a, um, you know, a, a, a AAA driver like Brian and, and kind of bring him back to uh, to life, bring the program back to life, that's that's ultra rewarding as well and you know we got you know high hopes for that program that we can you know be able to you know keep knocking these crown jewel 
races down and i mean they're they're no strangers to winning and, and success and you know just like every driver in every program you know there's there's ups and there's downs and and you know they had just been on a string of of some bad runs and um you know things not going their way and you know maybe just missing it a little bit with the program that they're running and and um so we so far everything has been great they've been good um great great people to work with and um you know good chemistry where we're on the same page and and it, it ultimately revolves around everybody putting their heads together, checking the egos at the door, and you know, let's make, let's make this race car go fast and and do whatever it takes, and and uh, that's that's what we're uh, that's what we got so far out of that program, and we're we're really excited to move forward. Johnny, usually the guys are you know they're paying attention to the name guys that you have driving your cars. But Zach and I have noted there's another side of your program as well, and that's the development side. And and you're helping out a young man that Zach and I both saw had a heck of a run at Flat Rock, uh, you know, had a heck of a run down at Killcare and that Ethan Stanuchek in, in that 20 machine. Um, talk about these young kids that, that are coming up and, and they're, they're in your cars and are working with you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we... You know, we do have um, a lot of guys that are other new to the sport and uh, new to the to the late model world, at least. And um, so we work with them on, you know, getting their cars set up and and help with them um, at the race at racetracks that maybe they haven't been to as far as um, driver development and, um, you know, just getting them up to speed at these racetracks they go to. And um, that's probably just as enjoyable seeing them pro- progress as it is that you say like you know a veteran like brian Campbell win a race um is to see a guy go from you know where he can't you know where he struggles to finish 15th and you know making that guy go run you know third or fifth or whatever it may be you know that's just a a, a huge leap in, in their career and to see that progress and and you know see that excitement out of the team is is ultra rewarding but yeah ethan is um man he's a great great little driver um they're they're a good group a bunch of guys as well and um what little he has raced in a late model man he's been just a monster behind the wheel and and, uh and and does a great job Uh, you mentioned andrew earlier who also falls into the the young driver category he also falls into the new to late model racing category uh and you know as rich kind of alluded to with ethan i'll say the same thing about andrew Uh, i call he and jason friends and i love talking with them at the racetrack and one thing that i've noticed is when i go down in the pits and i'm talking to those guys if you're not in their pits you're a couple of stalls over because all the uh, Van Dorn Racing Development guys are parked together. And your investment in these teams' success is so high that I can only imagine what relief it was for you over these last two events for Andrew to finish fifth and now third and have career bests in back-to-back runs. Uh, for, For you to finally see the results that drivers like Andrew, that you know they're capable of. Yeah, absolutely. Like with Andrew, um, you know, I, I seen the raw talent in him, um, early on. Um, I mean, going back to our first test, I, I knew the kid had it. Um, he just hadn't had a, uh, a coach. He hadn't had the right mentor. He didn't have the right guidance yet. Um, they had all the pieces of the puzzle with the, with the team. Um, they just needed the, the puzzles kind of put together and, um, you know, he come from the sprint car world and, and has real good feel, real good driver control. And, um, you know, early on got caught up in some racing incidents, you know, somewhere as fault, somewhere in his fault. But, you know, when you really look at 
how little of experience the kid has. I mean, shoot, I don't think he's raced 12 races in a late model yet. And, you know, Saturday night he's out there, um, you know, trading paint with Brian Campbell and, and Bubba Pollard and Tom Thomas and all these guys who've been racing for forever. And I was just, you know, I was, I was crew chief in the 131, but I was paying attention to him and helping them guys, you know, uh, navigate the race and it's like my gosh it's like where did this all of a sudden come from you know we go from uh, our goal being to finish the race and now we're like in contention to win a a, a, a crown jewel there so um that that's super exciting to see and and i know that kid's gonna do big things uh, um with his career he's got a great personality and good good family um you know so there's there's a lot of good things to come there I got two more questions for you, and then we'll let you get back to your evening. The first is, whenever I interview a uh, driver for Van Dorn Racing Development, uh, it is almost 100% of the time I hear them say, big thanks to John and Butch, and those two names seem to go together synonymously. You can't say one without the other. Talk about, on your side, we talk about team chemistry all the time with individual teams, but talk about the relationship in the shop and how important it is for your guys, John, to, to work together and know these race cars inside and out to put such a good product on the, on the field. Yeah, absolutely. You know, um, Butch and I, uh, obviously have worked together for forever. Um, and you know, it, you, you got two guys pulling in the same direction, um, is, is pretty awesome. You know, we're, we both want to accomplish the same thing. We both want to do the same thing and, um, that makes a, that makes a big difference, you know, and, um, and then our guys that work for us, um, you know, we, we fortunately have put together a really good group of guys, the, the guys that are on the jig, the guys that are hanging the bodies, um, our, our sales guys up in the front, um, you know, we're all about a positive, fun, um, culture and atmosphere at our shop. And, uh, you know, we work a ton of hours, we work hard, but, you know, we, we've, surrounded ourselves with people who who are like-minded and do the same thing and and um so when we can go to berlin in our in our backyard and finish one two three and them guys can come watch the race as well and see see their product shine you know they just that much more motivated on monday morning to keep keep digging and keep building a better product now not that you guys john are, are not busy throughout the season but when most we're, we're into championship season so most tracks are winding down uh, at this time, you guys kind of get rolling. Uh, you guys got the Glass City 200 coming up, the Winchester 400, the All-American 400. Uh, that's a big time for you guys. Yeah, no, we got a lot of, uh, a lot of crown jewels coming up, a lot of good uh, fun races coming up. And so, you know, with, with, in the racing industry, there really is no downtime. You know, I have people asking all the time, well, when do you, you, know, when do you guys slow down? And it's like, well, we, we, we really don't, you know, because once race season kind of winds down, well, then you're, you know, then you're a hundred hours a week in the shop building new stuff for the next year. And then you get, get to April, May and race season goes wide open. And then you're, you're gone all the time at racetracks, either, you know, testing or, or racing or whatever it is. So, uh, it, there's, there, there's no rest for the weary in this industry if you want to, uh, do well and, and, and make it. So, but no, we're extremely excited for Toledo. The Toledo's always been one of our favorite tracks to go to. And um, I mean, me personally, as a driver, Toledo was my favorite track. Um, absolutely love there. It always seemed like like you were going to race with the with the with the big boys when you were you know when you come 
from the west side to the state like I am, and you went to go race at Toledo, it was like you're going to race with the big boys. You know, <laughs> you're going fast and all that speed and and grip. There it was always a always a ton of fun. But um, yeah, Winchester 400 in October. Um, that's always a a long fun race. And you know what's not to love about Winchester? And then we get down to to Nashville for the All American there and. Uh, end of October, early November. So, yeah, we got our work cut out for us and uh, get our guys prepped and ready to go. And hopefully, we can end the uh, end twenty twenty one on a on a high note. Obviously, you want to win uh, as a race car driver and as a team owner and and developer. I assume that that's the same. You want to win every time your cars are on the track. But what's left out there? What where where and what do you still need or long to put a uh, Van Dorn Racing Development car in Victory Lane? Well, I think for any race uh, race car manufacturer, you, you know, your ultimate goal is a snowball derby. I mean, that's just that's the Daytona 500. That's you leave the you leave the trophy case open for for that trophy. You know, and we've come close. We uh, actually our first year in business, we finished second down there. Uh, we finished third down there. Um, last year last two years we've kind of missed it a little bit but we'll be heading back down there with carson again this year uh carson's been a awesome driver for us and uh just a great family to to be associated with and just an extremely talented race car driver so uh we're gonna hopefully go down the snowball and have a good run down there this year but we we won't quit until we win that snowball i don't care if it takes 100 (laughs) years we're gonna we're gonna win that snowball someday well, man, you've, uh, as Kyle said earlier in his interview, you've won almost everything there is to win, either as a driver or a car owner. So uh, good luck with that, man. I, I hope to uh, see you down there and see you put one of those uh, JVD, Johnny Van Dorn, or Van Dorn Racing Development cars in Victory Lane. We appreciate you taking some time to join us tonight. Uh, congratulations on all of your success this season, and good luck the rest of the way. Hey, I appreciate you guys having me on the show. And anytime you guys need to talk, you just give me a shout. I appreciate it. We thought we had a busy week last week, which we did, uh, because racing started on Wednesday. But this week is almost no different uh, as we take a look at uh, what's coming up ahead with our show close here tonight. And, uh, Rich, we've got racing starting on Wednesday with the IMCA All-Star Tour All-Stars going to Winston Speedway. This, of course, will be IMCA Modifieds, Michigan Street Stocks. They'll bring their front-wheel drives in as well. Wednesday night show up in Winston, up at Muskegon. Uh, Always a great program. I'm really happy with how that has gone this year for a trial run. Pretty good shows on Wednesday. Looking forward to seeing how that unfolds. Yep, Zach. Then we'll jump over to Friday night and uh, something a little different. Uh, It at the Kalamazoo Speedway, the Auto Value non-wing sprint cars. So if you like the Great Lakes traditional sprints, uh, head on out to Kalamazoo. You'll have the non-wing sprint cars. Template late models, street stocks, and zoo stocks will also be in action. Racing kicks off Friday night at Kalamazoo Speedway at 7.30. And then on Saturday, what was a marquee event makes its return for the first time in several years, the Mud Slinger. Features 100 laps for the Outlaw Super Late Models, this time sanctioned by Reveal the Hammer, also Modifieds and Pure Stocks on location, All-American Trucks and Figure Eights. Grandstands open at 4.30 on Saturday at Auto City Outdoor Event Center, racing at 7 o'clock. And I do want to say... 
keep an eye on our website and social media this week. Uh, Big Ed Inlos has put together a fascinating piece. Uh, I just had a chance to read through it today. That's going to be hitting our website very soon. And uh, what a rundown through history of this race. And it really does get you fired up for this year's edition of the Mudslingers. So check it out, horsepowerhappenings.com. And then, Rich, we've been teasing it. Uh, you just experienced it on Saturday, which boggles my mind. Championship nights are happening all across the state all of a sudden. Yeah, Zach, so I'm not going to be able to attend either one of these because I probably sh- I probably would enjoy both of them. But Springport Mid-Michigan Speedway, their championship night is Saturday. All divisions, Outlaws, Super Late Models, Modified, Late Model Sportsman, Street Stock, Pure Stocks, Mini Wedges, they're going to crown all six champions this Saturday night. Well, what a f- action-packed weekend we've got for you. Um, and uh, that's pretty much the calendar for this weekend. Uh, this is one of the last slow weekends before we head into the big push in September. Uh, of course, next week, we've got doubleheader racing throughout the region. Week after that, more doubleheaders and more championships and more, more, more right on through almost the end of September here in Michigan. So stay tuned. I appreciate everybody tuning in tonight for Scott Mellon, who pays the bills, my uh, my friend and my colleague and my co-host, Rich France. I'm Zach Heiser. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you same time, same place next week right here on Horsepower Happenings. You've been listening to Horsepower Happenings. Catch up on past episodes by logging on to horsepowerhappenings.com and be sure to tune in next week to keep up on what's happening.